when you first got to the varsity football team at Littlefield, who was the first person to kick your butt? Or what was that welcome to varsity moment? Yeah, man, this uh, large individual by the name of Quinn Ellis. Um, I mean, I don't know if he <laughs> could be, even be large uh, in today's setting, but not a bad size dude, about 6'4", 230, playing tight end defensive end. And, uh, you know, I was a little scrawny, 150-pound uh, slot back and, and safety. And uh, he had his way with me pretty much all night that night with the, <laughs> with the 300 Chieftains. I, I, we were in the slot eye, so I had I had the uh, luxury and, and joyous occasion of blocking that defensive end, and he was not yeah. one I'm looking forward to block all night for sure. But uh, what a player, man. He ended up going to TCU, and so um, kind of a neat neat deal as well just to be able to compete with guys like, like that. Um, I certainly wasn't that good in my career. I, I just enjoyed the game. So uh, coaching-wise, it has to be one Garrett Wilson. Uh, man, that dude oh, boy. is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure anybody can get on and say that. I think, you know, I was probably the anomaly in saying that I was trying to cover Garrett Wilson with some dudes that are now in the NFL and I still couldn't do it. <laughs> so, uh, that guy was amazing. He had 10 grabs for over 150 yards, I think, and maybe two scores, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, it was a long night for the Cibolo Steel Knights. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast Episode number 49, we are chugging along Our guest today is someone I met through the Twitterverse Coming highly recommended from my good friend and founder of the Texas High School Football Chat, Chris Fisher um, this guy does a wonderful job sharing and cultivating knowledge with the rest of the Texas high school football community. And he's now, he's brought his talents over to Shirts Clemens High School. Please welcome Adam Harvey to the show. Thanks for coming, Coach. I appreciate it. Anytime a guy like Chris Fisher will recommend you, that's a good day. So I appreciate the offer and opportunity to be here. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, if y'all are part of the team player movement, please make sure you've given us that five-star rating. It literally takes five seconds. Wherever you're listening on Apple or Spotify, just hit the five stars. We got 47 reviews on, uh, on Spotify and 26 on Apple, so not bad. We've, really, we've been racking them up, so please keep them coming. That helps more people find the show whenever they search for a sports podcast. And if you want to leave a written review, I'll read those uh, on the show each week. Go ahead and hit that follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We'd be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. I'm your host, James Kobaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, man, you, you gave me a flashback. So back when I was defensive coordinator at Fort Bend Ridgepoint, I had my welcome to playing an NFL player moment, and that was CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> Out there at Richmond Foster, a guy we saw last night. Yeah. <laughs> He definitely, man, he definitely uh, gave us the business. Um, but we didn't do too much. We kind of played him straight up. We had a, maybe just a little bit of a kind of, you know, taking the outside backer and roughing him up underneath a corner over the top, but not too much. But I think no matter what we would have done, 
it, he would have hurt us. I've heard stories like what you told me about Garrett Wilson. Um, I've heard, I've heard stories about Brandon LaFell from Houston Lamar. Like you said, double and triple teams don't stop these guys. They're just built different, right? They are, man. They certainly <laughs> are. You know, I think uh, those guys are, are going to be just studs wherever they are, right? Sure. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun to try to scheme against some of that, but there's there's certain schemes that just it is what it is, and it's not what it's not. <laughs> With those things, right? I, I saw CD play Angleton in the Alamo Dome one year, and he had a world of a night. I mean, just going up and getting balls that were just ridiculous. But like you said, you watch him last night against arguably the best defense in the NFL. I think they're the best defense in the NFL in San Francisco. He did his thing last night, too, so he's a dude. No doubt about it. Now, your background, you're from Littlefield, Texas, and that's about a, a half hour northwest of Lubbock. And so we we're talking before the show, you, you said you, you don't really have a favorite team. You just follow where your kids are, which I love. So I'm busting out the old Byron Hansfar Texas Tech jersey in your honor, Coach, because <laughs> you're right there outside of Lubbock. But I'm a jersey collector, man. That, that's my one hobby. So I've got – my wife hates it. I, I have stopped, but I have way too many. Let's just leave <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave that's it at awesome. that. But uh, Littlefield, Texas, half hour northwest of Lubbock. So, Coach, that's a part of the state I've never been to. I'm a native. I mean, I'm, I've been in Texas almost all my life, but I've never been out there, man. Can you describe a lot of our listeners are Houston-based? What, what's it like out there in the Panhandle? Man, it's a it's a world of its own. I'm not gonna lie, you you would not know you were in Texas unless you knew you were in Texas, and um, unless you were a John Wayne fan and watched all the old westerns, right? Or, <laughs> right, right. Listen, listen to Waylon Willie and the boys. It's it's kind of funny. It's actually the hometown of Waylon Jennings. He very cool. He, he upset a lot of people in Littlefield because he sang about Lukenbach. But hey, yeah, uh, yep. we do we do claim claim that name, and it's also the the uh, the the place of the world's tallest windmill. Believe it or not, um, very so cool. Some, some fun facts about about Littlefield, but no, it's you know the people are unbelievable. Um, I think you know kind of the world stops when when somebody from West Texas talks, and and when I say that, I mean in the utmost respect, people really love people, and and that's one thing I do miss about it. The one thing I miss about it, <laughs> I don't I miss the terrain, man. I mean the the tumbleweeds that you see in the old movies, they're real. In fact, it's funny we were out there for Christmas, and my ten year old, who's been there, you know, a handful of times, he used to go, and and my family still lives there, so my my folks would take both of my my sons in the summer for a week. Um, but he was too young to kind of even know what a tumbleweed was. Well, right. My son was, you know, we were driving down the road in between Lubbock and, and Littlefield on Clovis Highway. And uh, he sits there and he's like, Mom, Dad, look, it's one of those things from the old cowboy movies. <laughs> As he saw a tumbleweed, <laughs> you know, for the first time they realized what it was. Um, you know, so as far as the terrain, you know, that that's something I certainly don't miss. I don't miss the blowing dust. Um, you know, it would rain mud out there at times, but uh, the people are fantastic. Um, you know, you, it's funny because you ask about the teams that, I, that I've kind of followed and, and uh, I do appreciate your, your jersey collection. And, and typically, um, I guess Texas Tech would fall by the wayside. Byron Hanspar was pretty salty, so he's a good one to have. But Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I was always a huge Red Raider fan, you know, ended up going to school there and uh, just, just, you know, it was kind of one of those deals where I was a Cowboys fan growing up and, um, I don't know, call me fair weather if you want to, but as, as the years went on, I, I just kind of, I don't know, faded away a little bit. And then, uh, being lucky enough to have two that are now in the league, uh, that, that were in my own room, you know, as a high school coach and, and a third that will get drafted this spring. Um, yeah, I just kind of have gotten to the point where I follow those guys. 
No, coach, I, I love it, man. And, you know, it's funny for a kid, you, you know, you grew up in a place that's so different than where your kids are growing up. And I always find that interesting. Uh, I know, and I have a buddy um, who's actually a coach at Bridge City. And, you know, be before Bridge City, he was at Austin Westlake. And that's right. the thing about the coaching life. You're going to go from rural places to, you know, multi-million dollar places like Westlake. <laughs> so, you know, the funny thing is he also claims West Texas, but I looked up his hometown. It's three hours from where you're at. He's from Crane, Texas. So what, <laughs> when, when you say West Texas, that can mean a lot of things. So can you... Can you kind of just describe that portion? Because I know, like, you, you guys have to travel long distances uh, to, for your, you know, for district games and things of that nature. So for those of us that are maybe, you know, played more leagues in the, in, in uh, big cities, what's, what's it like just the travel aspect of being in West Texas? Oh, man, you hit that on the head. I, that's, that's, a, that's a different deal there, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Crane was one of the schools that was about the same size as Littlefield. So we wouldn't see them until the playoffs. Luckily, we didn't have to be in the, in the same district. But, yeah, we would travel – um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really any, any skin off of anyone's back to go to two and a half hours for a league game, or, you know, it may be even a little bit further for, uh, for a non-district game. And so, um, it's just kind of the way of life, right? You had, you had to do it. You knew you were going to get on the road. Um, one of the things that I had to adjust to coaching down here, um, you know, is, is even driving a bus on a game day. Cause none of our coaches had to, I mean, we had a designated bus driver. Um, right. which, you know, granted we were a small enough school where we only had to take one bus where now, you know, being at a six, a, you had to take several, um, and they were usually like yellow dogs, you know, traveling down yeah. the road, not too far, like you were saying, <laughs> right. but we had, uh, like we had the wildcat special and it was a bus that was well taken care of. I mean, it was, you yeah. know, the reclined seats and, uh, I mean, really nice. And so. Um, yeah, it was kind of enjoyable for that bit. You know, the other thing that I'll say that, that was, I don't know if I'd called it culture shock, but it was different for sure is, I mean, we would eat steak dinners on the road, you know, I think they, they did hook us up and treated us right with that kind of stuff. I mean, we would go to the local steakhouse. It wasn't, you know, Hey, Whataburger, jump on the bus and drive home. It was, you know, really treated us well. And, and those are the yeah. things that I remember. Yeah, even prior to playing, right? I remember going when my cousins were playing and growing up and being able to eat with the team after the game. That was a lot of fun. So, uh, but it's certainly a different different bit when when you're looking at travel and, and that type of thing because it's uh it's certainly not not a hop skip and jumping away in a lot of those games. And so, like you were saying, a small town, one horse town. You're out there on the west side of town was Littlefield High School where you played and you played football basketball, baseball, and ran track. Lewis Boomer was your athletic director and head football coach, and you said he was a great man. So I want to focus in, uh, first of all, just your memories. You know, obviously Coach Boomer made such a great impact on you. Just from your memories from playing sports in high school, like what, what, when you look back on that, on that time, you know, what, what do you remember? I remember how hard-headed I was, and, and <laughs> you know, I was, yes. I was one of those guys that I probably gripe about in the office now. <laughs> no, you know. Yep. <laughs> uh seriously I, you know just just learning how to compete man i i uh if there is one word that that i would want to take in life right from athletics it's it's that it's just to learn to compete and i had so many great coaches throughout um my time you know i think uh you know coach boomer obviously was was a great dude got to see him over christmas break and he's still trucking still doing you know awesome things and uh uh, you know, his, his wife and my mom are still really good friends. And so that's fun to, to, to kind of keep up with him. But, 
probably the, the one coach uh, that that really made an influence on me um, during that time of competition is now the head coach at Wimberley, and that's Doug Warren, which they've you know they've had a ton of success. But uh, yeah, Coach Warren and his uh, his bride Michelle were really um, fantastic for me personally. And, you know, and, and when I decided to kind of do this, I knew I wanted to work with kids. Um, and and I had done some some mission work and, and some things with the church. And so it was either going to be kind of a youth pastor thing or it was going to be this coaching thing. And, um, man, thank God I did the coaching thing because I, I certainly do more, for, I think, for kids than I ever would have um, as, as a – member of the church you know, or a church staff. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's really on me more than it is anything. You know, I, I feel like I can be a little bit more transparent even as a coach. It's kind of weird to say that, but it's truth. I, I'm sure. not going to sit here and, and paint a picture that's not. So man, yeah, just, um, you know, learning how to be a man, obviously all the cliches that we hear and I think can easily become something that you just, you know, slap down on or, or say in a parent meeting because that's what we're supposed to say as coaches. But when you really truly have that gut check, you know, and that soul search, um, truth of the matter is, is I don't know where I'd be without athletics and particularly football. I mean, it, it really shaped me and it was not my favorite sport in high school basketball was, which is a crazy thing to even think now, but I, uh, I certainly don't want to coach anything else other than football. That's for sure. Episode number 47, Patrick Longstreet. He's now the head football coach of South Houston high school down here. And he was a baseball first guy. So like you had a different, he saw himself as being a head baseball coach and now he's a head football coach. So similar there. But the thing about him was since he was baseball first on football, he was a scout teamer, you know? Mm. And he said that that experience of just being one of those kids that you and I both know are so important to winning football games, you know, that kid that doesn't get in on Friday nights, like that's helped him now and what he does. And you have that unique experience, not just a three sports letterman, you were a four sport letterman. So I'm assuming now, even though you're up at the 6A level, do you still take some of that mentality that you learned out there on, on the West Texas Plains, you know, as far as like playing every sport, have you, do you still try to bring that into a big school or what, what, what are your thoughts on playing multiple sports? 100%. You know, I, I think it, it, it helps number one with, with character, right? I mean, there's yep. always going to be that secondary sport and there's always going to be the primary sport. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's really even I don't know how many are fully capable of playing more than two anymore because of time. And I don't know that I could anymore. I I certainly couldn't at a six, a school. (laughs) I I wouldn't have made some of the teams that make cuts for sure. Um, You know, baseball was something that I really enjoyed. Uh, It was probably uh, the thing that I was the worst of at the four. Um, You know, I, I, uh, I certainly think that it's um, one of those deals where like my son and for, for example, um, if I would let him play baseball year round, he'd love to, but I won't, <laughs> I'd make him play football <laughs> yes. because yes. number one, it humbles him, you know, and I just, like I said earlier, I, I believe in the value, uh, that, that, that game teaches. And, um, and so, you know, whether it's muscle memory, muscle movement, you know, strengthening different muscles or just the, the, the whole mental approach to it, I think it's really important to get out there and compete on different terms and, and levels and, and things that you're good at, things that you need to improve with um, to kind of keep you grounded. And, you know, and then what, I mean, what better way to learn from different voices and coaches too, right? Because you're going to have coaches that look at those things differently. And if they are coaches that do multi- multiple sports and the two that you may be in or two or three that you may be involved with, 
um, you know, they also have their favorites. And so they may come to life in another sport and give you, you know, something that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So I'm a huge proponent of it. And, you know, I think if you want to go the recruiting route, it's important. If you want to go just with the the life lessons, it's extremely important. If you want to go with strength and, and, you know, for the here and now and what it does for high school athletics, it's important. So why not do it? And then after you finish that that career at Littlefield, you you went just forty minutes north of Lubbock, so you're right there still in the same area to Wayland Baptist in Plainfield, Texas, and you played one year of college basketball there before transferring to Texas Tech. So that that first year, I'm just really curious what what was it what was it like playing collegiate basketball? Tough. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> yeah. was really it was it was really tough, man. You know, it, it becomes a job. I tell kids yeah. all the time, you know, you better love it because it becomes a job beyond high school. And um, you know, I, I was on partial scholarship, you know, I was an NAI and I wasn't good enough to be, you know, a full ride guy. I mean, you know, a lot of times NAI kind of gets frowned upon like anything below division one does, right? But I'll tell you what, there's some dudes, you know, and some of them may have been academically ineligible um, at, at, at even power five schools. I, we had a kid from Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. I'll never forget. It was my first day on campus. Um, and I had visited, you know, several times. Uh, saw some really good athletes when I went to a couple of games to watch and just make sure it was the right fit for me. And um, I walked on campus the first, you know, day as a student athlete and, uh, this, this cat had, you know, some slides on, he had his backpack on, he's wearing some jeans and we walk into the gym and, you know, he claps his hands and kids they're you know, in the gym shooting or whatever. In fact, it was the girls basketball team. And so he claps his hands. One of the girls throws him the ball and he goes and windmills and just dunks the mess out of it. And I'm like, Okay, here we go. You know, he wasn't yeah. warm. He wasn't anything. And so, yep. um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was certainly an eye opening experience for me. It was a tough year also for me. I didn't enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. Sure. Um, I did not enjoy it. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And so, you know, looking back, I um, I certainly wish, you know, that I'd probably gone a different route on on a couple of things. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that was one of them that I didn't need to do because I think I did learn a lot that year. Yeah. Uh, but it certainly was something that I, you know, it wasn't what I expected, I guess, but it was something that that I certainly look back and and probably would have done something different knowing how difficult that year was. Two things I want to I want to touch on from what you said, Coach. Let's start with you mentioned kids kind of looking down their nose potentially at NAIA and I, I'm a D3 alum I played D3 football at Austin College you know at the school of 1200 kids you know and I went to a school mm -hmm. of like 3000 as a high school student right but um I think that's a mistake because I agree with you I, I did I did come in there thinking oh I played 5A which was you know 6A at the time I thought I was going to immediately walk in there and everything's gonna be easy for me and it wasn't it's still college athletics so mm. you are at a place where you've coached or you, in your career you've coached NFL players and so I wonder that those other kids that have seen kids go through your program and make it to the pros, is is there that feeling of like D1 or bust or pros or bust and then kids get extremely disappointed when they fall, if they were, fall short, you know what I mean? Like, I'm curious for sure. that. Like, how do, you, how do you approach those conversations if you have a parent or a kid that's maybe not understanding the value of some of these, some of these lower uh, division schools? Yeah. No, I think, you know, kind of like you and I are talking at the moment, I, I just want to make sure that I'm real with all these parents and kids, you know, and, yeah. um, 
And, and I just, it's hard because they've never experienced that. Right. And a lot of right. times their parents haven't either because they didn't play. And it's one of those deals where I think it's really difficult to portray how difficult it is. Right. And so, um, you know, I think I can sit there and tell them my stories, but my stories were, well, this was back in 1997 or quite frankly, well, yeah, you know, coach Harvey, you're, you're also a five ten, and, you know, at the time I was 175 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, here I am six, two and, you know, two or five or whatever the case right, is. And right. so, uh, it, man, it's, it is difficult to have those conversations, but I think just being genuine in, in that being, being transparent, you know, being extremely, um, vulnerable too, and letting them know, Hey guys, look, I, I, I thought I was going to walk in and, and own the world. And, and I didn't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, um, but like you said, whether it's D3, D2, uh, what have you, you know, I, a lot of times I'll tell people, I think it's harder in some of those division threes that, you know, you got 150 people at a tryout and you got to show, you know, shine, basically, you got to show um, more than just you can do this or you can do that as the status quo and, and, you know, whatever's par, you've got to really show out and, and you don't have a whole lot of time to do that. Right. And so, um, you know, and then I think finally, I, the, the thing that I really try to try to keep everybody intact with more than anything is how different it is, even with playing in front of crowds like we've played in front of, you know, as 5A and 6A kids in schools or whatever. Yep. You know, it ain't that way at those smaller colleges. I mean, you really better right. love it because you might be playing <laughs> yes. in front of 50. Yes. <laughs> You know, so um, there's a lot, I think, that goes into that. But really just trying to know the kid, too, and know their needs and know, you know, kind of what they can handle and what they can't. Because um, that's certainly all played into it. And, and it goes in, you know, hand in hand with, you know, their personalities. And so um, just trying to be there for them, even post, you know, post signing day, right? <laughs> when they do yeah. sign and decide to go and just always tell them, Hey, call me. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't easy, you know? And, and, um, uh, unfortunately I've seen a lot that have faded out because, you know, it's the D one or bust, like you were saying sure. mentality. So. And coach, you mentioned something. It sounded like you were saying some of the, some of the parents you may have issue with are ones that didn't play in college and kind of similar to you. I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough where I, I coached several pro players, kids when I was at Ridgepoint or Fort Ben Clements and, one of them I was a guy you probably have heard of, Bucky Richardson, the star mm-hmm. quarterback for the AM Aggies. His his son, right. John Paul, who who played at Oklahoma State, and I believe now he's transferring to TCU as a receiver. Hit, Bucky was great. And we saw that time and time again. The guys that were professional athletes or played at a very high level were the best parents. And I think it's because they they get it. They understand the 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 true value of athletics. They understand how hard it is and they have realistic expectations of what it takes to make it. Is that accurate? I mean, do you have you felt that way that maybe the parents that you struggle with the most maybe just don't have a realistic understanding of, of what it's like at the next level or, or what have you seen? 100%. I think it's yeah. that. And I, and also think that, you know, while they may be stuck back in when they, when I played <laughs> right here, yeah. yeah. when I yeah. played, um, things are different now. They really are. I mean, kids are bigger, stronger, faster. There's, there's just more things of, you know, um, I don't know. There's just, there's more to it. There really is. And, you know, going back to your question earlier about multiple sports, um, you know, I think that has something to do with it. I think uh, the love of the game has a lot to do with it. You know, kids play Madden and all of a sudden they think they're a (laughs) five-star and that's, you know, it's just, it's different, man. I, 
I try to pull my kids away from, you know, from their electronics and it's hard. I get it. And, and that's where I do want to empathize with parents too. I, you know, I, I do not wake up every day to go have issues with parents and to go and tell them their little, little Johnny is not good enough. I, I really try to keep things real. Um, at the same time, I also want to empathize with them, you know, and want to make sure that they understand that I am in it for the, for their son or daughter or whatever it is, their well being. And, um, at the end of the day, being honest is going to help that I think more than anything. Right. And so, but I would agree with you, um, 100%, you know, I, I haven't had a whole lot of that. Um, the parents that I've seen that, that are, the most supportive are those that, that have played at that level. Um, you know, and again, you'll have, you'll have the exceptions to the rule too. Well, I played at this level and I know, well, (laughs) okay, but (laughs) you're, you know, again, that was in, that was in 94 or whatever the year it was, (laughs) you know, here, here we are in, in 2023. It's a little different. So. One more question. Last question I have on this before we go to your coaching career. You know, I coached for 11 years and listeners know that now, you know, I'm out of coaching. I sell scoreboards at Dactronics, but I'm still do broadcasting. I call games three times every weekend. I call basketball games and I still love it. All my buddies are still coaching. So I, I just love it. But, you know, the last time I coached a game, I, I was two years uh, head football coach at Aldine High School in Houston. So my, my last game was in 2016, which isn't that long ago, but it's kind of a while ago honestly because like you mm. said time marches on so a lot has changed especially with covid that's something that i never got to experience as an educator and i just can only imagine as much as i saw social media starting to take hold when i was coaching in 2016 now that we've all been locked up in our houses for two years and all we had is our screen in front of our face i imagine the social media maybe is only worse i'm just speculating you could tell me that i'm wrong but the 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 pressure of, of being at that signing table on signing day and putting the hat on and going to a D one. I mean, do you feel like that's fueled by social media or, or what is it that's causing uh, the pressure on these kids? And uh, you know, when they, when they do fall short, do you feel like the pressure of not, you know, looking cool or whatever on social media, do you think that adds to maybe some of the mental health problems that I guess I keep hearing about so much for today's youth or I'm just curious since I've been out of the game now, since 2016, like what, what are you seeing on the ground? Yeah, 1000 percent. I tell you, you know, a coach is a coach and and you still see it. Right. You know, Um, it's unfortunate. I hate that's that's the one thing that I hate about about this job right now. And there's very, very few things that I do. I'm gung ho um, being being a coach. I really am. But that's it's a struggle for me because going back to just keeping it real with kids, you know, like there's only so much you can say because, you know, that. You know, I get the screen time report every Sunday, right? So I can only yeah. imagine what the screen yeah. re- what the screen time report on these kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're probably upwards to 14, 15 hours a day at times. And I mean, you think about that and it's like, well, there's nothing I can say. I mean, that kid's probably going to give me a yes answer anyway. You know, he's going to be a yes man in front of my face. Oh, yeah, coach, I get it. Thank you for being a supporter, you know, um, this and that. But then he's going to go read thousands of other people. Uh, and that's usually the case, whether he has thousands of followers or not. Um, yeah. And it's really it's really unfortunate. And then you throw in the portal, you throw in NIL, you throw in all the stuff that has, you know, literally changed the landscape of not only college football, but the recruiting bit, which is still high school football. Right. So a lot of people look at recruiting as the college side. I disagree. I think it's more of the high school side. Well, now it's it is the college side because of the portal and what the portal has done has just really transformed things. And so I, I, I really struggle with that right now. Now, with that said, I'm, 
I'm always looking for answers. I always want to be better and always want to be supportive for kids. And, and, you know, and so kind of going back to our, our conversation earlier about the level of all, you know, there's, there's a lot of occasions right now where a kid that typically in 2016, we'll just use that as your, as yeah, our year yeah, yeah. would have been, you know, FCS division two at, at worst is now going to be a D three player. Right. And so you just have to tell those kids, look, it's, it's just, it is what it is. Go and do your best. If you love the game, you'll continue to play the game the right way. And, um, but it certainly 1000% has changed the landscape of it, of it all. And, um, and it's hard, man. It's a, it's a difficult thing to navigate through, but that's okay. I'm all about hard things and let's continue to find answers and let's continue to make these kids better. Love it, coach. Now you, you, you finished up at Texas tech down there in Lubbock and like I said, Littlefield is just a half hour or so Northwest of Lubbock. And then a half hour or so northwest of you is a town of Muleshoe. And, <laughs> and there's a famous guy, or two guys, I guess, <laughs> you know, that came out of there. And you were joking to me. You kind of kicked yourself that you didn't you didn't go the GA route, uh, you know, uh, there like Coach Riley at Texas Tech. But the thing that just gets me is obviously th- those two are extremely talented coaches, but why not you? Honestly, I mean, you're an excellent coach. I mean, I know the coaches down here in Texas are, are really across the nation. We're all good coaches, you know, at the varsity That's- level. And it's sure. like so much of it is, is it's hard work, but it's also the right place, right time. And, and just, you know, some of that kind of stuff. So do you ever, I know you kind of jokingly said it to me, but do you ever really think back like, man, if I had, if I had tried that, I, I can be there. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Cause you did kind of jokingly bring that up to me. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I've thought about that a lot. You know, I think, yeah. uh, you know, what's the infamous question, right? What are your biggest regrets? And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and hide and shy, but behind that, that, that would be probably my biggest regret. And, sure. you know, it's funny too, because we're talking football and that's certainly, you know, when Mike Leach was there, it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed that as a student, but, um, I was a basketball guy then and Bob Knight <laughs> was the, was the guy on the hardwood, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> it, it was kind of one of those things where regardless, I could have, I could have made some, you know, made some moves potentially and kudos to him. Right. I mean, I know he tried to walk on. And so he was in a position where he at least got to show his skill set, and and coach Leach saw something in him to keep him around, which is fantastic. I love that story. Um, But, you know, kind of going back to, I mean, that's West Texas, man. There's some good ball minds out there, you know, North Texas, the head coach of North Texas now, Eric Morris, he's a West Texas guy. He grew up in shallow water, which is right outside of, outside of Lubbock and then played there at Texas tech. And so, um, you know, I certainly wasn't good enough to play, uh, at that level. I think if I could go back and do it again, that's something I would have worked at least to try to go walk on and then show my skill set as, you know, as a mind. Right. Cause I, as, as long as I can remember, man, I, I was the guy up in the stands, like being that game manager, you know, Hey, we need to call time out here. We should punt, we should yeah, go for yeah. it, you know? And, um, I don't know, it was just kind of ingrained in me. And so, like I said earlier, I knew I wanted to work with kids and thank God I get to coach football. But, um, you know, at the same time, uh, when I'm really come back to my senses to answer your question, you know, I sit here and think about like all the things I've been able to do as coach, you know what I mean? Like I don't take, any of that for granted, man. I really yeah, don't. I, yeah. I listened to, to Tom Erdahl, Mark Tom Erdahl, this past weekend at a clinic and loved how he started his clinic talk. You know, he's like, guys, I, I don't take anything for granted. I've been doing this for 39 years and I just got to play a 15 game season. You know, yeah, it didn't end well, but I am not taking it yeah. for granted. And, and uh, man, how true is that? You know, because I think, you know, if I had gone to that level, I would have had a ton of kids, obviously, that would have been a lot of fun to coach. But 
you know what? I've had a ton of kids that have been a lot of really a lot of fun to coach. And um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm right where the Lord wants me and where I need to be. And I'm going to continue to, to work for kids and, and, and work to be the best coach that I can be to be, you know, to be the best version of myself. Um, if I could go back and do it again, yeah, I would, but I can't. So I'm going to continue to work hard and do what I need to do where I am. I love it, coach, man. You know, like the, the thing I just get the vibe, and I've never met you before, you know, the first time I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with you, man, you just seem like you're comfortable in your own skin. And I love how you openly talked about some of your regrets. You know, you, you straight up said, I didn't like that, that you're at Wayland Baptist. You know, a lot of people can't be that honest, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll spin it a certain way or, you know, because the, the reality is the, the great coaches in our game have all experienced failure. And that's what I see time and time again, whenever my guests come on the show who are some of the best coaches, they're not afraid to talk about their failures and they understand how that has made them better and better. And you, you seem like that, you know, you seem like that, that those things, you know, yeah, you can't change the past, but you, you also don't forget about them either. You, you've used those experiences to make you better. So for any young coaches listening, and again, my coach, my, my career coaching record is two and 18. So I, I had plenty of these <laughs> myself, you know, that's why I'm, I'm here podcasting. I'm kidding. But, you know, um, I had a lot of failure as a head football coach. What would you say? Cause you know, as an assistant, the reason I got the job, cause I always had a lot of success, right. As a coordinator at Ridgepoint, what would you say to young coaches that maybe as early on in their career, that's been success after success after success. And they, they get that coordinator job or they get that head coaching job. And suddenly, for the first time, they're punched in the mouth with failure. What what advice would you give to them to become a better version of themselves after failure? Oh man, now we're getting real. I love that, and yeah, I appreciate yeah. those. I appreciate those words. I really do. Yes, I, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I, I tell you, man. I, I vulnerability, um, authenticity. Um, those those things are near and dear to my heart, and I I never want to be the guy that has all the answers. Right? If I have all the answers. I would rather them be, hey, this is the things I've done wrong and this is where where you need to go, right? So I think with that and, and, and to answer your question, to answer any questions that a young coach may have, man, um, it is to find a way to fall forward because you're going to fall, yeah. right? So yeah. if you fall, um, and sometimes that's going to be viewed, quote unquote, air quotes, as failure. Um, but the only failure that we'll ever experience as human beings is the failure that we allow to kill us right or to or to to bury us if you will i I don't know that kill is that may be a strong word but man you know learn from your mistakes crap you're gonna make them you just are and and those of us that try to pretend like we don't you know there's there's a there's a whole lot of that in the world we don't need any more of that (laughs) we we really don't man we need real people we need we need truth, right? We need um, guys that, uh, that that are going to send send forth the right people because the way that they were trained up, you know. And man, I, I just I just don't have time to play games. I really don't don't want to play games. Don't want to have anything to do with people that want to play games. And so if I feel that way and I'm strong about that, then you know, by God, I better act right. <laughs> and so by acting right, I mean by admitting my mistakes and saying, look, I've I've done plenty in my life that could have been done differently and needed to be done differently. And, and so I can't go back and change it. So what I'm going to do is, is act on it and going forward. And, and that's just how I, how I live life, man. And that's how I would encourage others to do the same. Love it coach. Now the thing, I can't wait to hear this story. 
How did you end up in Richmond, Indiana from 03 to 05 <laughs> coaching basketball? And for my listeners, I'm sure you don't know Richmond, Indiana, because I looked it up. It's about an hour and 15 minutes west of Indianapolis and an hour and 15 minutes northwest of Cincinnati. So in between Indianapolis and Cincinnati, tell us that story, coach. Yeah, so, oh, man, just a young, you know, kind of exuberant guy that, that yeah. uh, wanted to get away, right? Wanted to kind of get out of – out of the rut, um, part of that that experience at Wayland Baptist was was kind of a, still part of that rut, and it was still hanging on several years later. Um, you know, I I, uh, I knew that I wanted to uh, kind of go see things for myself, and 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 really didn't want to um, to stick around there and and do that. And so, um, got on the internet and uh, and you know pulled up this job that was in Richmond, Indiana, yeah. <laughs> coaching basketball. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so get up there in 2003 and and was there for uh, two years. Um, really had a great time, and we we had a, a travel team, and then we had a local team. And so I was the head coach of the local team, but I got to travel um, uh, with the travel team as well, and and we went all over the place. Um, you know, we played in in Long Island, New York. We played down in Kentucky. We played. Um, up in Canada, all over the place. And so it was a lot of fun. We had a, had a lot of dudes that, you know, um, I guess probably the best player I saw, two best players I saw, one Gerald Green. Uh, he was the dude, if you remember, a few years back in the dunk contest, blew the blew the birthday candle out at the top of the goal. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah, yeah. From Houston, I believe. Uh, he played for the Rockets. I think. He is from yeah, Houston. That's right, yeah. Yes. That's, that's right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Was he at uh, Gulf Shores Academy? That, I believe so. so. I think that's right, yeah. Yep. And then, uh, and then Michael Beasley, the the oh, cat yeah. that was at Kansas yep. State, went to the league. He may still be in the league. I'm not real sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, we had a really good basketball team. We had some kids out of Chicago. I had a couple of kids that um, brought in from uh, from uh, Liberia. Actually, they were living in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the time, and then they came down to Richmond and joined our club, our travel our travel team, and so. You know, it wasn't really a post-grad, but we played a lot of post-grad uh, programs. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it was uh, it was certainly something that I just wanted to kind of get out and see see what it was about a little bit, you know, and then uh, really miss Texas and, and honestly miss football. I think that's probably when I realized I needed to be around football um, yep. was when I was in Indiana because it was different. <laughs> so, yeah, so came back in 2005 and then, yep. uh, yeah, started my career down here. Let's talk about that. So God brought, brought you back to the great state of Texas, and you started at the San Antonio Academy from 05 to 13, so pretty lengthy stay there. So just tell us, uh, that's one that I, I'm not familiar with. Tell us more about your experience at San Antonio Academy. Yeah, so just a private middle school. It's a pre-K through 8, very affluent, downtown San Antonio. Um, Bruce Bowen's kids were there uh, while very I was cool. there, so I got yeah. to know Bruce pretty well. And uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, David Robinson Jr. I had David Robinson's son my first year there. Uh, he ended oh up gosh, the taking his – yeah, the Admiral's a great guy, man. He yeah. ended up taking his kids over to another school. So I only, I only got to, to uh, hang out with him for about a year. Um, and then the rest of them were like doctors, lawyers, politicians, and business owners. And so, um, yeah, very affluent. Um, but I learned a ton. I, I was It was kind of cool because the, the athletic director there – uh, he had actually was a big basketball guy from from Indiana, which is kind of funny, um, and ended up playing high or excuse me college ball in Wisconsin. 
and then at, at uh, University of Wisconsin, and then you know tried out for the Bucks, ended up getting hurt, and then hung it up. But he was athletic director there for I don't know almost thirty years, if not more. Um, just kind of hung out at this you know middle school, and so when he hired me on, um, you know I kind of started talking to him. They did not have a football program. I started talking to him about, hey man, we need to we need to get football here. Like this is kind of the reason why I came back to Texas. You know, this was kind of a job that I, you know, I knew I could start with. I'm still young. I need to coach at middle school and work my way up. Um, So we, lo and behold, we raised some money and and started the football program there. And um, it was really cool because he was, he had connected with a guy named John Peterson. Well, John Peterson was with the Seattle Seahawks at the time, ended up going to Carolina uh, with the Panthers was named 2010 scout of the year. So man, I during that whole that whole time from about 2008, I guess, spring of 08 through uh that spring of 13, every year I got to sit down with John Peterson and talk football on the board for, and we would just talk for hours, yeah. Yeah. hours upon hours. And so that's where I was like, okay, it's time for me to to kind of be done with this middle school thing and uh you know, there was uh two jobs that I was looking at, Smithson Valley High School and Cibolo Steel two pretty good programs, obviously. And (laughs) I uh, somehow lucked in and by knowing a guy by the name of David Smith, who was the head baseball coach at Cibolo Steel, his wife taught there at the Academy. And uh, so I got connected with him and um, yeah, the the rest of the story is I I took that job in 2013 and stayed there for seven years. And um, wow, what a move that was. (laughs) So, but yeah, Academy was great to me, man. I, I learned a lot about, fundraising I learned a lot about you know how to deal with parents because it's very intimate setting there and um and then you know starting program really legitimately from scratch and so that was cool to be able to be a part of that man that fundraising word is so important I remember when I became the head football coach at Aldean anytime that we wanted an increase to our budget the first answer is always what are you doing for fundraising and (laughs) you know how it is I mean that's the truth of it like that's what I think really separates great head coaches because it's it's not x's it's not all x's and o's it's, it's that mm-hmm. it's that uh just program-wide mindset and that vision of how we're going to better this program i think that's how the great ones really do it so I, I can see you already learning that with maybe without you didn't even realize you were learning getting a great lesson in that and one other thing i want to say about coaching middle school every single coach that i've had on this show that coached middle school they all swear by it kovo that was the best thing that could happen in my career Cirilla Ojeda, one of my early episodes, he's now, he's one of the, the board members for the Hispanic uh, Texas High School Football Coaches Association. He's the head football coach at Aldine High School, my old school. And so we're good sure. friends. He always tells the funny story. His first day coaching middle school, they're doing, they're doing some kind of tackling drill and there's a fumble and he's yelling, get on the ball, get on the ball. And this little seventh grader just looking at him and he keeps yelling, get on the ball. And the kid walks over there and he sits on it like a mother hen protecting an egg. <laughs> there you go. And at that moment, Coach Ojeda realized, like, wow, how silly am I? Like, these kids don't understand. I have to meet them where they're at. And he said it made him a better coach even today. Do you feel that same way? Like, were there certain things that you learned from coaching middle school that you were brought to steal and made you an even better coach? Oh, for sure, man. I I, uh, I do have to, as a disclaimer, and, and just to get it out there, I got to be honest. These kids that that I had were were brilliant. They were smarter than me, <laughs> right? I mean, they they some of them actually took the ACT or SAT one. I can't remember, and, and dang near scored perfect on it. So, <laughs> I uh, I was definitely blessed in that area. But um, you know, 
for sure. I my time there um was was really good for me in a number of ways. Again, going back to the, a lot of the mistakes that young coaches made or can make, have made. Um the ones that I made, I was grateful that, that I was at a place like San Antonio Academy where, you know, um that intimate setting allowed me to build great relationships with parents. So I got great feedback. Yep. Um really authentic feedback, right? Because that's what I'm about. As I said earlier, man, that's something that I, I found invaluable in my career is is the things that I could learn from parents that were willing to give me positive feedback. And sometimes it wasn't great. It wasn't things that I even agreed with that I liked. <laughs> but with those guys being, you know, typically, like I said, they were already managers and, and business owners um, pretty high up in, in their organizations they were they were not shy about giving their opinion which I was fine with because it made me a better person better coach and you know I knew that and they knew that I had their best interest as far as their kids and and what was happening there so you know I think coaching middle school is something that um you know if if I could tell everybody to go do it uh I I think that would be even an understatement go do it make mistakes doing it and then you know again like I said earlier fall forward right make sure those mistakes um, make you a better coach when it does come time to be uh, to be up at the high school level or whatever the next case is for you. So, but yeah, it was it was fantastic for me. And you know, eight years is is quite a while. That's the longest I've been anywhere. I was at at Steel for seven, so uh, that, that was my longest tenure job at this point. And then speaking of Steel, uh, that's you know half hour northeast of San Antonio, that part of the state. Not so I'm from Houston, and so I never got to watch a lot of y'all's games, but. Am I remembering correctly that you guys were a big and we don't do a lot of X's and O's, but I got to know this. Were you guys you guys are a big cover two team, were you not? Yes, yes. That's what yep. I remember. Yep, I remember watching you guys and just I got to ask because we were always a quarters team, and this is the only X's and O's we'll talk tonight. But just real quick, I was Good. I was a quarters. We were I was a quarters guy. I was a defensive coordinator at Ridge Point, and then I became the head coach at Aldean. I befriended you know my cover two guru from you know my friend is a uh, Dave Handel. And at the time, okay. he was the head coach of Galena Park, and now he's the head coach of Tomball. And anyhow, he was just the guy that I would go to to talk cover two because I, I always – I now that I'm out of coaching, I would run cover two if I could go back. But as I watch games on the weekends and I, I see certain things, like that's what I would do. But just – I just want to hear from you since I've got you here. Just a high-level overview, just a very quick synopsis, What just what, what you felt about that coverage – what you liked about it, just just for for coach listening, I know they'll find this interesting. Just kind of just talk to us a real just a intro, one on one introduction to cover two defense. Yeah, so you know we ran it out of a press, and uh, and it really became more of a palms. So what I love about it is it can turn into cover four at any moment, okay. right? Yeah. Depending yeah. on the concepts that you're seeing. But I think probably the the highlights of of it for me was to get the corners involved in the run game. Um, yes. You know, I, I think. That was one of the one of the things where I felt like the game evolved quite a bit. You had your Deion Sanders of the world back in the day, you know, kind of following guys like Daryl Green who could run like the wind. Um, but then, you know, like how do we get these corners um, to play physical, right? And so yep. we were a big-time press team, a lot of hands-on in the line of scrimmage, impeding the progress of those receivers, that were, whether they were trying to block us or trying to release for something. Um, but then, you know, the, the safety's got to be dudes too. I think it's just an easy alley fit from them. Um, you know, if they're playing on the hashes, you know, they can see a lot more, in my opinion. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's also easy to kind of morph into – 
uh, if you want to close the post and run some type of cover three or cover one, I think it's real good for disguising. Um, and so, you know, I, I loved a lot about it. I really did. But, you know, we, we changed some things where we weren't playing hard deck corners as much. We were playing, like I said, it was more of a two read palms look uh -huh. where we were playing quarters a lot out of it. Um, so it's just one of those things where I think it can really morph into a lot of different coverages on any given play. And you can run it up to three by one or you can run it into two by two. You can run it to empty. There's a, there's really no cap to it. Um, and so and it all derives from two kind of going back to what you were saying, you know. Yeah. And so um, we, we had a lot of fun with it, man. And we had the dudes that could do a lot of those things, too. So I'm not I'm not a fool. And, and I'll sit here and say that we had some cats. Now, what I also will say is even leaving there, and, and, and I'm sure we'll cut, touch on this in a little bit about my journey, but going to Hutto, man, I, I felt like I picked up enough teaching it in those seven years um, that I'll teach it anywhere now, right? And so yeah. we call it press palms, and that's really what it truly has evolved, um, but, it, but it all derives from cover two. And so, you know, you spent that time at Hutto, and then now you're, you're the co-DC at Shirts Clemens, and I I knew – I didn't realize Steele and Clemens were 10 minutes apart. <laughs> I did not yeah. know that. I, I was Googling, you know, researching for the show. I knew they were in the same area, but good Lord, 10 minutes? I mean, that's just – what a talent-rich area to have two schools of that ilk right down the road from each other. I mean, can you describe what that rivalry has to be like? It's yeah, – <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun, man. It's – it's. I'll yeah. tell you, I'm still getting used to it. I'm not going to lie. You're on the I other mean, side now, yeah. I'm on the other side, you know, and, and uh, Steel has just really been loaded since they've opened, truthfully, yeah, in, in yeah, 2005. Yeah. Um, you know, Clemens, I don't know how much research you did. Uh, the, the kid that uh, kind of shocked the world in the FBS world with group of five schools, you know, I felt, you know, probably UTSA was one of the top ones, right? And the kid that's leading them and Frank Harris yeah. was at Clemens. Um, okay. There's, wow. yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's two others that are coming back home. One was at Iowa State. One was at Texas Tech, as a matter of fact, uh, and a linebacker and a safety. They're coming back to UIW. So if you watch the FCS world, you'll see them probably making yeah. tons of plays next year. Um, they were both Clemens guys. And so, yeah, both schools have been, um, you know, just just fortunate to be in a place where a lot of people want to live, obviously. And then number yep. two, I think with the discipline of the military, that's helped us a ton. Um, the Randolph Air Force Base is literally – 20 minutes down the road. Look at so, Harker Heights this year. Did you see them? Good Lord. Yes. That's a good team. Yeah. My, my buddy, Jerry Edwards, is the head coach there, man. I, I bet. Yeah. I think there's something to that coach. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of always vouch for, for those type of schools because of what we saw at, uh, at steel and we were seeing it at Clemens as well. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's, you know, I, I tell people all the time and I, you know, I don't think we're the best district in six, a because of the, the district 11 up there in the Dallas Fort Worth area with Duncanville yeah. and DeSoto and those guys. But I would put us, you know, as, as far as week in and week out where yeah. you've got to play ball, man, it is a tough league. And it has been for, you know, for as long as I can remember. And, and I got still in 2013, it's been a tough league. You got Judson in the league. New Braunfels is no slouch. You know, they beat Denton Ryan this year. And then, you know, East Central and San Marcos and, um yeah it's a it's a bloodbath weekend and week out before smithson valley dropped to 5a it was smithson valley in our league too so it was a good lord yeah yeah it was tough so it's it's good ball man and it's i got i got kids that are just you know 
fantastic athletes, but also great kids. And that's what makes it a lot of fun. And, and that's what brought me back here, you know, from, from Hutto. Um, it was a, it was a tough couple of years and I think COVID had a lot to do with that, but the sure. family and I all sat down and decided that, you know, we, we needed to get back down this way and we live in New Braunfels. So we love where we live and uh, it's a good place to coach ball and, and definitely a great place to live. Now, because yeah, Hutto, Hutto, of course, more in the Austin area. So now, you know, you're, you're back with your San Antonio roots and man, what you were saying about that that district, I, I'm, I was looking at your schedule, Coach, and you're not lying, man. I mean, I know that the 21 6A fans, you know, the North Shore District out there of Atascacita, you know, they, they always call themselves the SEC of high school football. But for them, right. it's really like you're kind of saying it, it's it's a little top heavy. You know, those top four are extremely good. You know, the CE King and, and Atascacita, Summer Creek and North Shore. But your district top to bottom, man, the, the, like you said, there, there's no easy <laughs> – there's no relief uh, inside yeah. for sure. Yeah, there's there's not, you know, and, and it's uh, we've taken pride in that, you know, and, and and there's the argument of, well, that's San Antonio ball. And I get that. I really do. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that <laughs> Dallas and Houston both, you know, aren't uh, there's unbelievable talent all over the place. But sure. um, at the end of the day, I, I think it's it's one of those leagues where. You know, and I played a pretty good one up in Hutto too with the Round Rock schools. Yep. Um, it was there was no pushovers really there either. You know, defending the air raid one week and then thirteen personnel the next. You know, so that was always tough. But, um, but it was still different, right? Like the the physicality. Holy cow! Like the physicality yeah. of playing Judson and Steele and. Um, you know, even New Braunfels, man. I tell you what, Coach Mangle has done a phenomenal job over there. I, I. I'm always just amazed at, at, you know, they've got athletes, don't get me wrong, but the things that he gets out of his kids, uh, fantastic. It's just good ball coaching. And so I've enjoyed it. Um, it sharpens me, makes me better and, and shoot anytime. Like I said earlier, anytime I can compete with, with those type of dudes, that's what I want to be a part of. Absolutely. And, you know, like you kind of mentioned that if you look at the map of the state winners this year, I mean, it, there's a pretty clear line of demarcation, I consider you and I as Southern brethren. We we got to get it going next year. You know, <laughs> we were looking at that for the, sure. The northern part of the state, no doubt about it. They they took care of business. Uh, we we've got some work to do. <laughs> Absolutely, man. We do. It's you know, I, yeah, I've got a lot of friends up there in the DFW, and, and so it's fun. You know, ongoing joke, a lot of fun. Sure, sure, keep sure. keep it all competitive, and you know that's what makes Texas high school football great, though, right? It's how many great teams there are. I mean, obviously. You know, these other states that are going to throw in their their all-star teams because that's what they are, are going to come in here right, and, right. and have their way with some of our teams. But, you know, the way that we have it set up, man, ah, I, like it gives me chill bumps still. And I've been doing this for 18 years of my 20-year career. And, shoot, I, I absolutely love Texas high school football. And, um, and, and I'm that guy, I guess, when I go to AFCA or other places and – you know, and do it in good fun because I've met a lot of good ball coaches from other states. No, don't get me wrong. No, no question about it. But they ain't Texas, <laughs> right? You ain't no, met my yet. Texas yet, as old Josh Abbott would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it, love it, love it. Now, coach, at this portion of the show, you know, this is where I always say that my coach and you—you you actually said the same thing. Your coaches kind of saved your life in a sense. You know, I—I I came from kind of a dysfunctional home. Uh, my parents didn't split up, but, you know, my dad was kind of a domestic abuser. And so I had those long nights of like, 
yeah. being upstairs in my room, hearing my parents fighting all night downstairs and just like praying, like, God, let me fall asleep so I can get the hell out of here in the morning, you know, and get to get to my coaches where I feel important and they love me. And I just, I've, I want to go to school. I was one of those kids, you know? And so I think coaches are so important because there's a lot of kids like that, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that are, are seeking their coach, you know, and, and it, it gets them out of bad situations. So I, I say all that to say, now that I'm broadcasting, I'm a little bit more in the stands. And we kind of talked a little bit about negative or unrealistic parent behavior, but when I see some real negative behavior in the stands, you know, and I'm sure your family members have to kind of deal with that when they come to watch you coach, you know, um, I just, that really rubs me the wrong way, coach, you know, knowing what, yeah. what you all go through. I just, I hate it. And uh, sometimes it feels like it's getting worse, you know? And so I think when parents do that, I always got to remind myself, Kobo, don't get too mad at them. They, they love their kid. That's why they're acting this way. They think it's helping, but I think it's hurting the kid's experience. And I think that's not giving them the best chance to have a great athletic experience. So I just, you know, if any parents do turn into this podcast, what advice could you give a parent as far as, you know, even when you want to go, you know, complain about play calling or why your kid's not playing or this, that, and the other, what, what, what would, what advice would you give to parents in those situations, how they can maximize their kid's experience? Hmm. Man, that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I'm, I may, I may upset a lot of the coaches listening uh, with my answer. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of get tired of, we have an open door policy only when there's problems. Let's, let's have an open door policy before those problems arise. Love it. You know what I mean? And so I think for every parent that is upset, there's been a conversation prior to that, right? Hopefully at yeah. the dinner table. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's the case, but hopefully at the dinner table. And I certainly think that, that there's there, there are parents out there that are exactly what you have described, and there's no way to talk them out of being who they are. It is what it is, right? Sure. Sure. And yeah. so those aren't the parents that I'm talking about. It's those that, that let it fester and let it build to the point where it gets to that well, now they're in the stands yelling and screaming and carrying on. Yeah. No, let's talk. Let's talk prior to that. Right. Because yeah. the 24 hour rule was put into place because, you know, some parent probably came onto the court or the field or whatever the case is hot. And then all of a sudden you have this issue right now. Right. Hey, we got to have 24 hours so people can calm down. Well, what would happen if we would have those open door policies and those procedures in place prior to the frustration you know what I mean? Now that takes yeah. time. Don't get me wrong. That takes a lot of time and I get that, but you know, that's something that I, I really, as a head track coach, I tried to do, um, you know, I tried to foresee issues, right? Because yep. I, I remember, you know, I did not grow up in a coach's household. I had no coaches in my family. I'm a first generational coach Same here. and that sure. includes, yeah. yeah, exactly. That includes aunts, uncles, all of it. Right. So I try to foresee things that I remember as a player when, you know, because parents are going to ask questions. Well, what about why is little Johnny playing over you? Or why didn't you, why did you get in trouble with this or that? Because those questions were asked to me and, you know, why, why, why not foresee those things and go to that kid and say, Hey, listen, this is what I was thinking through that process. or this is why you sat on the bench or this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And now they should, if they trust you, they should go home and not necessarily regurgitate that verbatim what you have said, but they should have a clear understanding of your reasoning for doing what you did. And so when those questions arise at home, they can bow, you know, battle back with mom and dad and say, well, this is what coach actually coach told me. He told me this. He told me that. And these are yeah. the things. And then if they still don't like it, by all means, let's have a meeting. Right. Um, 
I just think that there's a lot of that that can probably be overcome. I really do. And, and again, I, I know there's probably a lot of coaches that disagree with that, and I don't have time for that. I get that. That's fine. But for me personally, I'm going to try to do that as much as I can. Number one, build relationships with those kids so that they are comfortable and trust me enough to go home and say, well, this is why coach did that. And I trust coach and I'm going to go ahead and keep doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, I think that would put a lot of that to bed. And then also being willing to meet before that happens, I think is huge. And I'm willing to do that. Um, so whoever is listening, if parents are listening and I coach your kid, call me out on it because I'm willing to do that. And I will make time to meet with you prior to, to you getting upset and saying whatever you need to say. And a lot of that's for show. I'll just say it. It's a circus up there. Well, this parent's listening to me and now I can bowl my chest a little bit more, especially as males. Get out of here with that crap. I ain't got time for that. Unless you're willing to come in here and talk to me one-on-one. Get out of here with that. Love it. No, coach, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that, man, because, you know, I think a lot of times as coaches, we, we pick up on certain buzzwords and maybe we all just kind of run with it. Like all of us have heard that like 24 hour rule. A lot mm -hmm. of us have heard that we don't talk playing time, you know, comment, you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. So I, I, I like that. You're not going to just redo the same thing. You're always thinking on, on how you can make it better. And so you, it sounds like, yeah, you're, you're okay to talk playing time at the end of the Absolutely. day, it's your decision. But you are going to be – you're going to have that open-door policy. And I think – I like that, Coach, because honestly, I think maybe a lot of times these parents just want to be heard. That was my experience at all. Sure. Ever, I, I did deal with a baseball parent that was having – and it, I think at the end of the day, she wanted to be heard. She wanted her son to start a catcher too. <laughs> but she also just maybe <laughs> wanted to be heard, you know? Sure. Yeah, no question. No, I think I think you're spot on with that. And, and, and they deserve to be heard. They really yeah. do. You know, um, they don't deserve to make the decision but yeah, they deserve absolutely. to be heard. Absolutely. Right. So that's one thing that I'll tell parents all the time. Like I want you to be an investor of this program, but as an like investor, I am still managing it. Right. Like when you invest, you're giving me the reins to make the right decision so that you will in return, get your, let's just talk, let's just talk investment or your yeah. ROI. Right. Love you it. want your Love ROI. It. I'll give it to you. I'll, I promise you, I'll bust my tail so that your son or your daughter or whatever will get what you think they deserve. And that's your ROI, but just invest. Let me do, let me do the work. <laughs> so love it, coach. Nope. I absolutely love that. And you know, th at this part of the show, we talk about some fun stories and man, you, the players you've coached, man, I, I just love to kind of looking through here. Uh, famous people from Cibolo steel, uh, Terrence steel of the Cowboys, a, a six foot mm -hmm. six offensive tackle. Always like here that has a nice ring to it uh, out of Texas tech uh, in 2020. Antoine Wesley of the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals, six foot four uh, undrafted for agent wide receiver out of Texas tech. You had some height. <laughs> There. Yes, sir. Six, 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 four. Now, Caden Stearns, I definitely remember Caden Stearns, of course. Uh, now, if the Broncos played for the University of Texas, he's one of those cover two safeties that you had running around yes. out there. Yes, sir. Uh, drafted in the fifth round of the 2021 draft. JT Woods, uh, Baylor Bear safety. Now, if the Chargers third rounder in the 22 draft. And then you mentioned Jalen Jones, soon to be drafted three year starter uh, for uh, for Jimbo out there at Texas A&M University. So there's playing big time football at a very talented organization. So just, man, anything you want to say about, about some of those guys that, that you've had the honor of coaching? You know, um, those, those guys, every one of them have, have phenomenal work ethic. Um, Bingo. you know, that not all of their stories talking about failure earlier, not all of their stories are gravy and clean. Right. I, I, uh, 
you know, I think about JT. JT had a rough senior year, and it did not go the way he wanted it to go. Um, and we had to make some tough decisions. And, uh, you know, I I didn't know how it was going to work out for JT. I didn't even know if JT was going to end up at Baylor, to be quite honest with you. He did. He went to Baylor. And, you know, the last game of his career uh, before he, he ended up in, in the NFL – he had two picks and I don't know seven or eight tackles that were I'm talking man tackles like that that kid was not the same um, when he was in high school and so it's really really been fun to watch him flourish um, you know look at Caden so those two guys and then Jalen were all in my room Terrence yeah. and and Antoine I got to coach and track um, Terrence I'll tell his story in just a second but uh, Caden was a kid that just. I mean, he's, you know, eat, sleep, breathe football from from the day I've met that kid. And and just he, I treat him like he's my own. I, he yeah, yeah. that dude is unbelievable. I got to go out to, to Denver and, and it flew out just a one day trip to watch him play last year. Unfortunately, he got hurt this past season, so I didn't make it out there. But um, just watching him at that level, man, it <laughs> I get emotional, man. It's just fun to yep. to be a part of that dude's life, you know, uh, just what he's done for my kids too and, and my family and the way he's treated them. It's pretty awesome, man. Sorry to, to get emotional on that, but um, no coach. I mean, yeah. you, you talk, it's relationships, man. Like you've yeah, always been a relationships guy. So man, I'm the same way when I look back on some of my players like that, man, it gets me, it gets me a little choked up, man. And the thing that I just love hearing, and this is every time this happens, when you talk about guys that have made it to the highest levels, 99.99999% of the time, the, the coach will, t I always ask him, what are they like? You know, what are they like off the field? Almost, every, not almost every time, Kobo, he's like a son to me. Kobo, mm -hmm. you know, he's just, he's the best person on the team too. He's not just the best athlete. And I just love hearing those stories, man. And so for kids that maybe do start going down the wrong path, if you really want to be successful, the ones that make it are all around good people. They're not just great athletes, you know? Absolutely. And I think sometimes the media does like to pick up and, you know, as they well should to keep people accountable, like the, the bad apples that do, you know, and those get all the attention, but there's so many good guys out there. And man, coach, mm. I, I love hearing that your guys are, are just the same way. Yeah, they really are, man. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, got to watch Jalen this year, uh, took my son to, to the A&M Ole Miss game and, yep. you know, that didn't get, that didn't go in his way, obviously, sure. but uh, <laughs> just talking to him after the game and, just how much that kid has, has, you know, really grown up and matured over the years is, guys, just phenomenal. It's it's really fun to watch and can't wait to see where he ends up in the draft. You know, he um, if he runs well, he could, he could be my first first-round draft pick. You know, you never know. So uh, a lot of fun there. You know, another guy that um, before I ter tell uh, Terrence's story and even Antoine, too, uh, at Hutto, Landon Watson, who's now with TCU, um, oh, wow. was a lot of fun. I only had him for one year, but, you know, just even the relationships that I've built with him and his family have been really awesome. Um, but yeah, so, so Antoine was a, was one of those three sport athletes and that dude was the best competitor, um, I've ever known. I mean, he would compete his tail off, you know, and he really only had that one year that was his breakout year at Texas Tech and ended up as an undrafted free agent with the, <laughs> with the Ravens. And then um, when Kingsbury got the Arizona job, um, one of those deals where we got to get this guy, you know, yeah, and yeah. And, uh, and he's even gone in there at Arizona when he's healthy and made plays. I mean, he's he is a competitor like nobody's business. Um, 
he was a high jumper for me in track, yep. uh, actually did horizontals and, and verticals and all the jumps and, um, you know, pretty much did, I don't know, three, I guess the district meet, the area meet, the regional meet, um, pretty much did it on, I would say a leg and a half. I mean, just competed wow. his tail off. And so he had no reason to do it. You know, he'd already committed to tech, had no reason other than, Coach, I, I just want to go compete, <laughs> you know, and um, I love that kid to death, man. I call him a kid. Shoot, he's a grown man with a kid now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, and then Terrence. Uh, Terrence was a guy that was on the B team as a freshman, and now he's the starting right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. Are you kidding me? Love it. Like, <laughs> love it. Love yeah. it. That's all I need to say about that young man. I mean, just, you know, one of those guys, anytime I send him a message, he sends it right back. Um, just a relational dude that has put in his work, man. And he is a quiet guy, like not about the, you know, the noise and the business. He just goes and takes care of what he needs to take care of. And, and it's gotten him to the highest level. And wow, just what a, what a great testimony. What a great story for young kids to watch and, and see that, you know, things are possible when you put your mind to it. And that's who Terrence still is. So all five of those dudes, man. And then Landon as well as, um, uh, stu stupid blessed for sure <laughs> and then coach i mean i'm not here to 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 you know discredit guys that that sit out of bowl games or things i mean i, I understand i understand the business behind it but I, at the same time i want to applaud antoine wesley for being in a similar situation where he could have shut it down and thought about his collegiate career but like it it just shows his team meant something to him you know and sure, I, I that's the guys i love like where this means something to you you know and no it, doubt. Seems, it seems like antoine's that way and I love that story about Terrence. You know, we, we, we had a guy at Ridgepoint, same story, freshman B team, then, uh, you know, sophomore B team as a sophomore, JV as a junior, one year varsity starter. And now he's going to play for the Houston Roughnecks in the XFL. Mm -hmm. uh, so, cool, you know, so just, it's just amazing. And like you said, with your middle school background, you know, you can never give up on a guy, you know, like, cause you don't know how they're going to develop, <laughs> especially in middle school, but even in high school. Yep. Just because a guy's a B teamer, you still got to develop those kids. Like you said, ROI, right? Return on investment for every single player because you never know sure. who they're going to become. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, coach, coach them all up, right? I mean, and that's to me, that that's more of a success story. You know, I, I, I mean, going back to JT for a second, um, you know, it was a really tough decision, but uh, he was starting safety next to Caden. And we were coming off a state championship run. We got beat by DeSoto in 2016. Came back in 2017. We were preseason number one in the state. I mean, we had everybody back. We were about to be dudes, right? Yeah. That particular year, I had six FBS DBs. <laughs> so I had four <laughs> spots <laughs> to play six of them. Yeah, two of them ended up signing with Oklahoma State, uh, Jalen at A&M. And then on the back end, I had uh, Baylor, Texas, which is you know, uh, uh, Stern, Stearns yeah. and, and Woods. And then behind JT was um, was a kid that went to SMU. Well, we were really struggling through through four games, kind of let the hype get to us, weren't weren't playing very well. And, um, you know, felt like we needed to make a change. And so we did. We made a change. And um and and behind JT was the kid that ended up at SMU he he was trying to mess around with quarterback when he came to us and then we yeah. tried to move him to slot receiver and you know he he was kind of an athlete but just really wasn't what we thought he was going to be or on, on offense so I I was just kind of watching him one day I said well you know I'll I'll take him shoot let's go I'll yeah. take him right now you know and 
And so started training him up at safety and, and, you know, just teaching him how to tackle. And I tell you what, the kid was like a sponge. I mean, he, he would burn a hole through me. It was almost all one of those awkward deals. Anytime I was talking to the group, whether it was in the film room or <laughs> yeah. just in the huddle, like I could feel Chase staring at me, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, lo and behold, man, he ended up, we ended up having to feel like we needed to make that change. And he came in, you know, for a kid that was going to Baylor. I mean, JT had already committed to Baylor and, yeah. and he came in and played the last nine ball games in that same spot. Of course he was next to Caden. So they're not going to pick on him, but, um, but you know, he ended up getting the SMU offer and made some plays at SMU as freshman and sophomore year. So it was a lot of fun to see that come to fruition too. So I'm a firm believer in, you know, always coaching kids up, you know, I, again, it doesn't matter if they're, if they're six, one and, you know, 195 pounds and have the frame to go division one or, you know, five, seven, 152 pound Jose Pena from Hutto, Texas. I'm a coach that tells up, you know, yep, and, yep. and, and, you know, Jose became one of those kids who was, he was all syntax as <laughs> so yep, five, yep. seven, 152 pounds. Cause he was Love allowed, it. you know, he allowed himself to be coached up and then and freaking went out and made plays. So that's, that's what it's about for me, man, to watch those kids develop regardless of their, their talent. And, you know, and when, when you got one, or two or three that, that are ended up in the NFL, it's just that much more sweet, man. It's unbelievable that I've been able to do that. And they've all been in my room. You know, there's a lot oh, of yeah. kids who have gone to the NFL through still high school, but for having, having those kids in my room and really being able to build relationships with them, unreal, just unbelievable. So, yeah. It, it, kudos for JT Woods. Cause I mean, that could have been an easy situation to pout, you know, you lose your starting spot, you know, you're, you, you, you're going to Baylor. I mean, it seems like he didn't do that. Like, and obviously his career has only gone on an upward trajectory since then as a third round NFL draft pick. So can you explain his reaction to that? I'm curious about that for all of our coaches and fans listening and maybe some players listening. How do you handle that when, when you sure. are a star player, but a coach makes a tough decision to go a different direction? How, how did he handle that? Cause obviously it, it did have a happy ending. I, I would love to hear that. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a Michael Jordan story to be completely yes, honest yes. with you. Um, I'm not sure just to, again, I'm, I'm man, I'm an open book dude. So I'm very transparent. I'm not sure to this day, JT even still likes me very much. I'll be completely sure, sure. honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. I'm not here to be liked. I actually have yeah. a joke with the kids, but it's all in all seriousness too. I tell kids all the time, man, I don't need any other friends. I got 9,000 followers on Twitter. You know, <laughs> <laughs> It's completely a joke. But yeah. at the end of the day, as a coach, um, I don't need you to like me. I just want you to be the best version of yourself. And and, and I, I cannot take credit for Caden Stearns. I can't take credit for Terrence Steele or Antoine Wesley or Jalen Jones or JT Woods. I am not here to coattail any of those guys, which is why I get emotional when I talk about yeah. those dudes and what they've done for themselves. And so at the end of the day, like JT was very upset. He was sure. not happy, sure. but you know what he did, you know, and I'm going to give that kid, that dude kudos because he didn't allow going back to what we were talking about earlier. He didn't allow a little setback to completely break him, which is yep. why you're impressed. I'm, I'm assuming Right. Yeah. He yeah. goes to oh, yeah. he goes to a great university underneath a great staff when Matt Rule was there. And then when when Coach Rule left and the, and Coach Aranda came in and and man, I know I know his position coach. Well, he just took the job back at Baylor from Oregon and Matt Pallage. Um, kudos to Matt Pallage and what he did to create 
uh, you know, more confidence in that kid to, to where I'm telling you, man, that that Sugar Bowl performance, his very final game with the Baylor Bears was unbelievable. Now, he yeah. played that way all year. He wasn't a third-round yeah. draft pick because of one game. Right. But just that was the game, I guess. I guess just going out on that stage because Baylor had such a good year, an 11-win season, where I was really just – I was blown away at what he had what he had made himself, you know. And, and again, to be completely transparent and, and open with you, man, I, I, I kept up with him and I texted him and he would text back. You know, yeah. nothing – it was nothing beyond the surface. Um, but as he got into the combine and I was texting with him, he texted back and said, Coach, you know, I, I, I still don't know that I'm over what had happened. I really appreciate sure. you trying, but, you know, um, I'm going to go ahead and move on with my life. Which, and I'm going to let him. You know, it's not about yeah. me yeah. co-telling on those guys. And so that's a long story, long answer to say that I'm really proud of that dude too, man, because um, he didn't allow a, a decision that I made to define him. You know, and uh, if he goes to the Hall of Fame one day and he calls me like Michael Jordan called his high school coach who cut him, guess yeah. what? I'm going to go to Canton and I'm going to cheer my tail off for JT was whether he likes me or not. And that's way OK. That's way OK with me. I have no problem with that. Willie, I don't know, but I'm OK with it if he does. So, man, man coach, that, that might have been the best story I've heard in this whole time doing this podcast. And I love I love all of it. I love your transparency and your openness and honesty. To, to, that's what happened, and you, you're telling us. And at the same time, you you made a good faith decision on what the information you had at the time. And I don't fault him for his – I mean, yeah, you, 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 you want to move on, but he's a competitor. <laughs> that's a big sure. reason why. And so, obviously, like, I just – I love the on, on openness and honesty from both of you two in that whole exchange, honestly. And I think that just shows me that level of respect and that relationship that you you both he could say what he needs to say and you could do the same and you're both gonna root, you're gonna root for him you know at the end of the yep. day so I I really appreciate you sharing that story man that that's gonna be hard to top but I think you might be able <laughs> well, to do it here absolutely well, you next... know it's go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's it's all part of the journey right I yeah. mean that's yeah that's at the end of the day like what I what I really if there's anything that I could portray to him or anybody else really is that I, I am not here to coattail. I'm really not, man. Like, yeah. you know, these three kids that are, are now in the NFL, right. These three players that are now in the NFL that were kids underneath um, my tutelage is, is an honor. Holy cow. Like I'm sitting here thinking like there's, there are thousands and thousands, if not millions of coaches that'll never coach one that it go to the NFL and I've had three in my room and then others that, that were on our team. Right. Yeah. Unreal. Like I I'm still flabbergasted at that, but at the end of the day, like, um, man, I'm always going to be a fan. Like, yeah, he, he did not allow my decision to define him. Absolutely. I mean, I, how can I not respect that? <laughs> you know? And so, um, absolutely. I'll, I'll always, you know, want, want to make sure that those guys understand that I'm about them, man. And, um, and I'm about coach too. I'm going to be a coach first, right? Like, yeah, if I don't feel like it's helping, uh, the, the, the Clemens Buffaloes at the moment, I'm not going to make the decision because I have a duty. I have an obligation. Those people pay my, my, you know, pay me and put, put food on the table for my family. And yeah. I'm going to do the best job that I can do for the Clemens Buffaloes. And, and when it's time to move down the road, if I move down the road, who knows, I could stay here forever, but um, I will always wake up on the day that I wake up with the logo that I put, you know, on and, and I'm going to go to work for those, 
for those kids and, and for that program and nothing more and nothing less, you know, other than, than God himself. I'm, that's what I'm about. And I'm going to do the best I can do uh, where I am, period. So that's the way I am. No, coach, I love that, man. And that story is going to be hard to top, but I think you might be able to do it because I'm dying to know, how did you meet Peyton Manning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So uh, I told you earlier, I was a Cowboys fan growing up, right? Yeah. And uh, so when when Terrell Owens was with the Niners and made his decision to go to the star after this touchdown and right. slam yeah. the ball down, right, twice, and then George Teague decided he was going to try to take his head off. Yep. I, uh, man, I was like, I hate the 49ers. Okay. So the following year, what does Jerry Jones in typical Jerry Jones fashion do? He goes off and signs TO. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say the following year. It may have been a few years later. I'm not sure, sure of the timeline of that all. Anyway, I'm living in Indiana at the time. And so, you know, Peyton is obviously the quarterback over down the street, an hour and a half away. And so it was Thanksgiving break. And we had had a tournament, a basketball tournament, um, and finished. And then there was a, a Pacers game. So my, my in-laws, my wife's family came up to visit us. And uh, so my father-in-law were, he and I were walking downtown Indianapolis going to a Pacers game. Yeah. And as we were walking down the sidewalk, uh, there's a famous steakhouse in downtown Indy called St. Elmo's. Well, there was a black limo that pulls up mm. and Peyton Manning gets out. And so we're probably, I don't know, 25, 30 yards from him. Not real close, but, but not real far either. And I'm just kind of walking, not really paying attention. And my father-in-law notices it's Peyton. And he's like, whoa, I'll be damned. There's Peyton Manning, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. Peyton hears him and looks over, you know, towards us and, and <laughs> stops what he's doing. Like he had to go into this radio show and talks to us on the sidewalk for half an hour. I mean, he That's had awesome. some elbows issues that week and they were, I don't remember who they were playing. They were playing Buffalo. They were playing the bills. And so I was, yeah, you know, shoot, I just kind of geeked out and started asking him questions about the week and because he showed us some attention. Dude, I immediately became a Peyton Manning fan and, and yeah. started cheering the Colts on. And I was always kind of a Marvin Harrison fan, just like the way he approached the game. And so, um, yeah, that's that's how I made, met Peyton. You know, I wouldn't say that we became best friends or anything after that, unfortunately, but it was really cool in the moment for sure. I love hearing again. I love hearing those stories, like when people can meet celebrities for the for moments like that. And it wasn't a moment; he'd give you a half hour of time. <laughs> yeah. Now, I gotta admit, when Peyton first started trying the comedy route, I didn't think he was funny at the very beginning. I was like, "Wow, he's trying too hard." But I, he has grown on me to where I just think he and Eli are hilarious. Even Cooper, Cooper's hilarious. Like I love those. I love the commercials they're doing. I love. Right. I love the little Manning cast, you know, that they do. And I just. I'm with you, man. I'm a big fan. A, a huge yeah, fan. I am too, man. Like Peyton's places. I'm I'm not a yeah. big TV watcher. Like I don't, right. I don't right. even, my wife gets mad at me all the time. She's like, we got to find a show we can watch together. And <laughs> Peyton, Peyton's places was that show. <laughs> we watched it and I mean, binged it and finished it in about a week, I think, you know, and I finally got ESPN plus or whatever, and then watched the second season. And, but that's, that's my show. Right. And, and Eli, I agree. Eli's hilarious too. I love the commercials. I'm right there with you. So yeah, I've kind of been a fan ever since i was I, I was hoping he would get into coaching but um but i can i can settle for the monday night <laughs> peyton yeah. and eli uh telecast it's always fun coach you hit the jackpot you got a great wife there that when the, the compromise tv show is a football show <laughs> so that's, amen brother yeah absolutely it, she's a yeah, keeper she, for sure 
she she certainly is man she's yeah. definitely a good football wife and she she knows that's probably all she's gonna get anyway so she's probably <laughs> sitting there gritting her teeth but then she started enjoying it too because yeah, yeah how it's, funny he is right yep. so <laughs> all right coach last part of the show we always put our guests on the hot seat a little bit and kind of make you answer a couple tough questions for us and you know speaking of Peyton Manning he probably is in that goat debate with guys like Brady or you know or Rogers or guys like that but I don't like goat debates personally. I don't know you're a basketball guy. Like I don't, I don't like the MJ and LeBron goat debate too much personally. I, I do lean MJ because that's my 90s is my time period. But I think there can be different goats because like there's different eras. Like it's hard to compare between eras. It's hard to compare between positions. So rather sure. than asking for your goat, you know, I want to know for Coach Harvey. You've coached so many great players. If you had to start a program tomorrow and you had the Coach Harvey top five of the guys that you just would you would go to battle with you know, figuratively speaking, who would they be? And I know it may, it may not be your most talented guys, but it just may be somebody that you just loved coach and you believe in them hundred percent and they'll, they'll run through a wall for you. So I'm just, I'm curious if you had to pick a top five or just your, the guys you'd like to go to battle with tomorrow, who would they be? Golly, man. The, I've, I've been thinking about this question yeah. since you posed <laughs> it's it. tough. I know <laughs> it is. It is tough. It's almost harder than the goat. Cause you can, you know, I don't yeah. know. I get yeah. on the roll and yeah. So Man, I'm you know we can go over five, coach. If you need to do a couple more than five, we want to give as many flowers as we can. So (laughs) don't tip me. Don't tip me. Right. (laughs) Um, Being a defensive guy, I got to start obviously with 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 Caden. Just obviously the player that he is, it speaks for itself. But uh, the young man that he is, the competitor that he is, um, you know, the desire that he has, right? And, And talk about somebody at a young age that absolutely was not afraid to kind of create his own path. You know, I'm going to go off the field for a second. The things that he did at the university of Texas that upset a lot of people, Um, man, I was so proud of that kid. In fact, I got into some Twitter battles over some of the fan base that was mouthing at him. Like, no, you don't understand. Like, first of all, this kid is, you know, if you want to talk, you know, ethnicity, he's half white. And you have no clue. So yeah. first of all, you don't even know who he is. So shut your yeah. mouth. Second of all, yeah. like he he's a kid, you know, and he's standing up for what he believes. And yeah. I'll always I'll always go with that, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I gotta start with him. There was a young man uh when Caden first entered the world of, of varsity football at Steel, um, that played right next to him, Mark Frankhauser. And and okay. uh Mark and Mark is a Little store white guy, right? Fiery <laughs> yeah. and feisty. Yeah. Uh, and he was another one that just my son adored him. Um, we're still really good friends to this day, really close. He is now a married man and and uh, fighting for for our country in the U.S. Army. So that's really cool. That's um, awesome. He's he was a multi sport kid, great baseball player. Ended up going to UMHB and oh, playing yeah. football and baseball uh, up there. So pretty good little athlete himself. Um, so I got to go with him. And then, um, you know, I got to go back to the offensive side too, with a couple of guys, one that you'll hear about if you haven't already, um, Will Hammond, the starting quarterback at Hutto. Will is uh, really bursting on the scene this year. You know, I think he's upwards close to 25, 30 offers now. Um, the kid can absolutely spin it. Um, (laughs) and and he can see it too. Like he is, he is really impressive. Um, I think personally, I think he's going to be the next Cade Klubnik. I think he's that good. Um, but the things that he does off the field and his leadership 
and the way that he carries himself. And even, and I think we're about to see with, with what he's done with his commitment, he's committed to Texas tech as a matter of fact, Oh, really? Um, okay. he is. Yeah. And so, you know, and then he broke, he blew up right after that. Cause when Will Stein got the job at Oregon, he offered him and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened up, but um, it was only a matter of time. That's how good the kid is. But I would go with him again because of his dog-like mentality, the way he leads, um, his his will to win is just phenomenal. Uh, quarterback that we had over at Cibolo Steel, um, I think I'm on number four now. Four. His name was Wyatt. Yeah, Wyatt Beagle. Um, Wyatt is now at Arkansas State and has made a position move, and he could also spin it and yeah. was very smart, very high caliber, you know, high-profile player. Started as a freshman all the way through uh, at Cibolo Steel. Actually, he he came in halfway through his freshman year, took over the spot, as did Will Hammond at Hutto, as a matter of fact. So both yeah. of those kids played 6A ball as freshmen. Um, and, and so Wyatt is another kid that, man, just one of those dudes that I would always trust, you know, to, yeah. to just make the right decision, right? Make the right play, make the right decision in the huddle. When it was time to speak up as a leader, he made the right decisions, the right timing, all of that stuff. Phenomenal young man. Um, and then I still believe, you know, in this world of spread that, that you got to win the game in the trenches. And so yeah. I'm going to end with Terrence Steele because of what he's yep. done. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think Terrence would be the guy that, you know, kind of would be that nucleus on, on both sides of the ball because he's going to make everybody around him better. So when you're in practice, your defensive line is going to be better because Terrence Steele is the guy they're going against. Um, again, the quiet, you know, reserve kind of guy, but, um, but just a dude that, that freaking works and has earned every single bit of what he's received. Um, yeah, he, he would definitely be my fifth. Um, you know, it's tough because there's guys that I can name right now that are in the coaching profession that I've had to sure. had the privilege to to coach. Marquis Allison is one of them. He's at Odessa High School, and they actually beat our pants off this year. <laughs> we traveled out there for five hours and had some bus lag, and Marquis yeah. would be another guy that I would love to – just as a player and now yeah. watching him coach the game. I, I love that dude, man. And so I could go on and on, man. I've really tried yeah. to build solid relationships. There's a kid playing D2 ball named Braylon Sugg that I would I would definitely build a nucleus around. Another one, Brody Bueno up in, in Hutto that I would build a nucleus around. There's yeah. so many. It's hard to yeah. – it's hard to pinpoint just a few, man. It really is. So – Man, Coach, I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you, man. And just for for all my fan, you know, my listeners that that are that enjoyed this conversation, you do so much. You and obviously that relationship with Coach Fisher, Texas High School Football Chat, everything you do on Twitter, your website. Can you just kind of you know plug some of what you're doing for for listeners to this show that want to you know get in touch with you or, or learn more from you? Yeah, for sure. Um... First of all, I don't mind sharing my cell phone at all. You can text me anytime. Yes. If you're a young coach, I would be honored for you to text me. And that's that's 210-842-9854. Um, man, just reach out to me and I can help you with anything if you like what you see. As far as my website, that was something that I just kind of put together through a really good – one of my best friends uh, does some web design. And, and so um, wanted to kind of – put my stuff out there and also support him. That's what I did with that. Yeah, yeah. I also lead a chat actually inspired from what coach Fisher has done with Texas high school football chat. It's on Tuesday nights uh, called no fly zone chat. Uh, that is through, 
kind of more of a DB mindset, but we've kind of looked more just into the passing game defensively, how to defend different things. That'll be happening. Uh, as a matter of fact, tomorrow night, we just started our, our 2023 season and that runs from January through July, usually around coaching school, we wrap it up and get ready for the season. Um, I don't do it year round. And then, uh, yeah, so I guess that's probably the the bigger things that I do. Um, you know, on Twitter, I, I'll talk ball on occasion, just post a, a video and talk about what I see and just try to get some some different um, conversations going X's and O's wise. I also do some some character stuff and some life stuff. Um, I'm a big John Gordon fan. And so like my life word, you know, my, you got the word of the year, which my 2023 word is uh, proceed right so just move forward no matter what the situation is but my life word is grit and um and so i kind of started this hashtag several years ago yeah. that stuck with it uh, and and i've stuck with it and i usually post i don't know once every two weeks or so i'll post something that just kind of on my mind and and use the hashtag live gritty and so just kind of a way that i've used uh you know self-talk if you will and um through some prayer and meditation and th things that i've learned from other people um and do the hashtag live gritty stuff so those, those are a few things projects that i got going on there's some other things that i've helped with i guess uh, defensive coordinator academy from Kim, kenny simpson um part of that and and some other things that just other projects that people have done so yeah kenny simpson and i will be uh recording tomorrow morning and he will be the he'll be episode number 50 so man. nice there you go good deal yeah i'm so yeah, glad man. i did not realize you two had that connection but i'm so happy that yeah you man back-to-back -back episodes Yes, sir. Another another Twitter connection, and he yeah. he just called and asked if I'd be a part of that, and and I was great grateful to be a part of it. So love it. And if if y'all have loved this this talk, you know, here uh, tonight with Coach Adam Harvey, again, please give us that five star rating. Most allow allow more coaches to find this show and and hear great stories like Coach Harvey's. You can hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. And follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K O V O. You can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. We take recommendations. We've gotten a lot of our guests have just been referred. Like like this, Coach Fisher said, Coach, Kovo, you have got to get Adam Harvey. And so I always listen to Coach Fisher <laughs> for sure because, man, he, he, he is the best. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Adam Harvey, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Kova, I really appreciate it. Great, great getting to meet you and uh, look forward to hearing more of the episodes in the future, my man. Absolutely. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head, lost my mind Insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy, and one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head, lost my mind Insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy, and one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy 